Hi, this is Shane Lambert, Disc Golf Nomad, and you're listening to the Hudson Valley Disc Golf Podcast. Thank you, Shane, and as always, thank you, disc golfers, for the support. It's another Wednesday in the Hudson Valley, and that means it's time for a quick recap of the week. Let's begin with last Wednesday as those deadbeats did their thing. Looks like Jack, Moe, and Qua managed to play an aceless round. Let's hope that changes this week. On Wednesday night in Beacon, John Monroe and Pierre shot 13 under to hold off Chris Del Bianco and Craig Vasick at 10 down, and Gary Mason and Devin DeClerc, who shot 8 down. Moving to Thursday, Long Island had 23 players in an AB format. Third place was determined by a platform throw-off with Meg and Pat Collins out shooting DG Pete and Paul Joseph. Both teams shot minus four on the day. First place was also determined by a throw-off from the platform as Greg Squires and Ron Gilardi took home the win with a leaner over Nick Gurgis and Gintis. Both teams shot minus six on the day. On Friday at TGIFDR Dubs, John Garb and DJ took it down with a 45. Joe Gara and Jack Bradley took second at 49. And finally on Sunday in Beacon, Dave Kimmelman teamed up with Kyle Flanders to shoot minus five and hold off three teams. Chicken Wing and Bike Rack, Silas and Mike Bruni, and Cookie and Yake all shot three down. Uh, before we finish the wrap-up, we cannot forget Woods to the Waves 2. Jay Junker runs this event where you play the long, wooded fairways of Heckscher, followed by a round on the golf course of Cedar Beach. A great event and always a great turnout. The amateur divisions played from the Red Tees at Heck. In the women's rec division, Kellyanne Keenan, no relation, won by 8 strokes with a 165. Nice shooting. The rec division was won by 16 strokes as Wyatt Mahoney shot a minus 1, 116 on the day. Wow. Jillian Walsh took down the Women's Intermediate Division with a 140. For those counting, that's four players in the Women's Rec and five in the Women's Intermediate Division. Way to go, Long Island. The Intermediate Division was won by John Cronin with a 132, three strokes over Christian Lumen. In a very competitive AM40 division, Greg Squires beat out Sweet D Dave Gross by one, who beat Gary Mason by one, who beat Ron Gilardi by one. That must have been a fun day. In the advanced division, Filth Raskinator held off Keith Williams by a stroke, 121 to 122. Moving on to Pro Masters, 40 plus, that was won by Pat Collins who shot 117 and took home $100. Was anyone in that division still in their 40s? And finally, in the MPO division, Billy Pagnazzi defeated Jeff Sullivan in a playoff. Both shot 117. Unfortunately, I was away this past weekend on a disc golf road trip to the Allentown area where I certainly would have been there. Fortunately, I got a ton of audio to go through from that trip. I look forward to getting maybe five to ten minutes of content from listening to five hours of audio. Hopefully I'll have that ready for next episode. In other content-related news, if you follow the Hudson Valley Disc Golf Podcast Facebook page, you know this, but I just picked up a couple wireless lav microphones to use during interviews. It should really help to improve the audio on my interviews. I've been holding off on doing those interviews until they've been fully tested, but soon I should be up and running. In the meantime, I took an opportunity to get an interview with former local and current Pennsylvania resident Ryan Nelson. You'll hear part one of his interview next week. Ryan won the most recent Beacon Blaze and took with it the number one tag from Beacon. And while he has made efforts to lose it to a few of us, he will be unable to attend Made in the Glades this year, so he offered up his tag as a CTP prize on his home course. I came in a close second, but the tag is indeed in new hands. 
And while I can assure anyone who is, has an interest in playing for it, it will be played. It's not my place to say who won it. Right now, though, I'd like to play part two of my interview with Jayquap. When we left off, we had finished Hole 10 at Beacon, and we're moving on to Hole 11, where he starts off with a story from his early days of disc golf. If you'll notice, I'll no longer be updating his scores as Hole 14 took its toll, and we just focused on having a fun and informative round. I hope you enjoy it. Afterwards, we'll look towards the events coming up in the area. The first time I ever played Beacon, came here alone, really early in my disc golf career. Kind of playing the course blind, I had printed an aerial map off of disc golf review or something. I got through this hole, and it was crazy foggy. And I'm guessing I threw the Valkyrie. I threw it, and then walked back to get my bag, which I was using a nut sack at the time. Those bags are dope if you only want to carry you know, five discs. And I heard, uh, so I threw the disc into the fog. Was walking back to get my bag, heard chains. So I hit this basket on my first throw ever playing it into fog blind as a noob. So what is it? 227. 227, it 227. says? So not bad. I guess it was probably, I have to, if I had to guess, it was probably that, that DX Valkyrie. Yeah, because that's the, th it's, it's, an, it's a straight up S, right? Yeah. Uh, what do you throw now? Let's uh, throw Star Rock 3. I like this hole. It's kind of made for the line of a rock. Rosie asked, had a question for you. Right. Uh, she wants to know what what's the best place to hide at Beacon Glades Disc Golf Course. There is a number of, I'm not exactly sure how many, but there, Beacon Glades Disc Golf Course plays through an abandoned camp. You kind of feel like you're playing through a Friday the 13th movie sometimes. Old, decrepit cabin. It's, it's a camp, and it's creepy, and it's cool. And it's, so there's a number <laughs> of places to hide. Under cabins, in cabins, on, on top, top of, of cabins. Yeah, you could you could easily climb in one of the windows, window of one of these, these old 60s, 70s. Like, you, you, you envision this place in the 60s and the 70s just ripping with life and, mm -hmm. and summertime activities and archery and bonfires and all that great summertime camp shit. And now it's an abandoned and Friday mm -hmm. the 13th. And it's, so, yeah, there's a, there's, in a cabin, I would say, is the best place to hide. All right. Uh, I just like the fact that you answered a question from a dog. The dog had a good <laughs> The dog so far has probably had the best question. A good question, dog. That's newly constructed. Uh, seat. Redid the seat pad with, I believe, his son and Gary. It's awesome. Yeah. His, you know what he said? He texted me uh, yesterday. What do you think of the seat pad? I said, awesome. And he goes, uh, what one would you suggest to do next? Uh, we got a whole 12. Complete uphill. Reminiscent a whole 9. 322, it says. So that's probably a little... I feel like it was... Key on this one, just don't hit, hit an early tree. After that, you can yeah, usually a, salvage. It's a fair pinball alley type. There are definite lanes to take, but they're tight, and it's well up there. Star Destroyer. How would the J from before you started playing disc golf react to the J playing disc golf today? J disc golf, 11-year-old? Yeah. Would dig it. Uh, I was attracted to kind of alternative sports, skateboarding, and uh, you know, I was never much of a team sport. So he'd dig it, he'd probably just be like, what are you doing with my hair? I'd be happy that I still had one. <laughs> then the middle story, Jay, would call myself a dirty hippie and laugh at myself. And, uh, That's what I thought. Here goes right. What I like to do here is yell up, dude. Okay, so you're... Before I sink this. Very uphill putt, probably 50? I was going to say between 50 and 60. Okay, and because this is outside the circle... With two different patches of thorns... Yes, right in front of you. leap into... This is beyond a putt, so this is where you would... The up you might you might shout up deuce at this one. Okay. Only if you see it it's like tracking though. You shank it, you don't you don't shout up deuce. Wasn't worthy of a shout out. We're still in search of that elusive audio up deuce. Many say it doesn't exist. We are determined to get one on audio. That's what we do for you guys. Listen, 
What hole are we on? This is hole 12. So here at Beacon, next to the green, there's a rock, which is a perfect recliner. See, you take a little rest, take a breather, it's comfortable. There's a little ottoman there. And, uh, and if I could steal it, I would bring it to my house and put it in my garden because it's comfortable. I forget what winter it was. I want to say like 2000. 2015, 2016. It was, we had a uh, we had a winter. Remember when there was like two plus feet of snow on the ground for what felt like the entire winter? Like it yeah. came, it hit, and every week you'd get like a Tuesday storm and a Thursday storm that would both drop like another inch or another three inches. And so like we got hit with a big one that never melted, and then it just kept accumulating on top of it to the point we were playing. Every footstep in that winter was was work. Like yeah, you had to lift your feet up two feet and take these big crushes. And every steps. once in a while, you'd get halfway down, and it would be a hard shell, and you'd break through that. And yeah, it was ripped. Yeah, I was in great shape <laughs> after playing. Yeah, I mean it's a value point. And that for disc golf is that it's not just it's like it's exercise. Yeah, you come out here, you're going up a hill, down a hill, up a hill, over a log, up rocks, scrambling, going to get this, looking for a lost disc. Like there's a lot of extra walking involved. You're not just A to B, A to B. There's you do a lot of walking on a fairway, helping a friend look for a disc, or like I said, stepping up over a log, like. It's my exercise, too, like, mm-hmm. to get out and get some fresh air. Get home from school, grab my bike, meet up with my friends, go in the woods, work on the bike trail or mm-hmm. work on the fort or work on the paintball course or play man or I said manhunt, whatever we were doing in the woods, riding dirt bikes my entire life. Still to this day, I'm, I'm playing in the woods, part of the draw. Hole 13, downhill, tricky green. Uh, the drop zone, it's called 327. What are we thinking here? Throwing a star AVR X3. Any thoughts on the pin placement? It's a, uh, again, a fair but challenging hole. Downhill the whole way. Pin is located on probably the steepest part of the hill. Uh, gives a lot of rollaways. It's a it's a tricky shot to get to it, and then it's a tricky shot to land it safely near it. You ever uh, you ever spoken with anybody who's aced this hole? I saw this one jerk off do it once, uh, but it was an absolute fluke. He just, he went through the densest part of the woods uh, and it just somehow managed to get through. He, he had already abandoned all hope of that terrible shot and then somehow it, it crashed into the chains and then the dance that I saw him do, it, it upset me. And and I still to this day, I don't like talking about it, so we're going to stop. We're going to stop that there. Uh, before we stop that, uh, I need to ask, yeah. do you remember giving any that person any advice right before the shot? Just don't dance like that after you ace. I think I said shortly before the shot, and then he didn't listen. Uh, <laughs> what about I, the, you had told, I was walking up to the tee pad. I had so a, much uh, good advice. a titanium buzz, mm-hmm. and you said, remember, you're throwing downhill. Yeah. Throw it. Throw, throw it low. Throw with the hill, yep. not up. And I did that. You did that. And it flexed out, yeah. and it crashed. Oh, smash those chains. So I want to thank you for that. Hey, man. I want to thank you for the memory of that dance. <laughs> are you trying to get better at certain things while you're playing, or are you just trying to score the best you can? Kind of goes to the to the point of why I don't like playing tournaments is I'm a decent to good player, but I'm not good enough to compete. I know it's fun and supporting the club and all that, but uh, yeah, I'm still. I feel like I'm still working on my game. This is a practice round for me. I'm uh-huh. still figuring shit out. I've kind of dialed in my bag where I'm not experimenting with new molds anymore. I'm beyond that stage of the obsession. I like the discs I have, and I'm just really learning, you know, new things with them. Throwing putters on 327, where I, this I might have thrown a, a driver a year ago. Now I'm making myself do it with a putter because I know that's the right shot. 
and that's what the better players do. And forcing myself to, you know, watch the videos, see what Macbeth does, see what Wasaki does, and learning from those guys too, even if it's not in person, just watching those videos and then trying to apply it and sucking at it. But then, like we said earlier, just doing something wrong for long enough and then taking a little gem from it and applying it to your game for the better. I'm forcing myself, even if it's not necessary, I might necessarily be able to reach that basket in the air, but forcing myself to just throw a roller every time on this hole. And I've been doing it now for like maybe a month. Hole 15, 17, and 18. I, I am forcing myself to throw roller. And 18, I'm usually doing roller, roller. Hole 14 white, hole 7, I'm forcing myself to throw flicks. And I'm going OB, and um, and then I'll have a good one, and I'll learn from that. But I'm forcing myself to flick. To, I'll suck now, but I know that in a year, I'll have a roller and a flick to my add to my bag. So yeah, I'm still yeah. learning. Uh, when I spoke to Craig, he was telling me that he forced himself to do the turbo for a year. And now what he does, he just incorporates it into the... Like when I, uh, when I forced myself to just only putt with a zone. Yeah. Then it went back to the AVR, but I like having the ability to putt with the zone. Uh, what are we in, long here? Uh, this is 14 long, yes. Uh, we got it marked at 30, uh, 435. That's that's a whole total speculation. Probably 100, let's say 150 feet up straight to then have to start going. There's a wall of trees on the right. You can sneak through them, but it's not easy. Uh, it's a tough hole. Challenging par three. Uh, and I like it. Dar Destroyer, understandable. Try to go straight and then and then go to the right. How many kids you got? I have a 25-year-old stepdaughter who has a seven-year-old daughter from a step-grandfather. And then I have a soon-to-be seven-year-old son and a soon-to-be five-year-old daughter. Is there any thought of bringing them out on your rounds? I have. I do. But it's usually not. Never turns into a round. It turns more into throwing rocks in the lake. So they're getting to the age seven, eight years old is a good age. They have the focus. Yeah. Before that, you, you think they might, and you might get a couple of holes in, and they might mess around practice putting with you at home. But do you want to wait till they're both at, hit the eight year old, or no? Nope, I'm not going to force it on them. Mm -hmm. I'm going to start with. Well, that's what I meant. Yeah, it's my son, yeah. and if you know the girls show interest in wanting to play it, but he he shows the most interest, if any, out of them. So start there and, and build. It caused some waves in the beginning when the obsession was at its peak and just wanting to play all the time and not being home and all that. But it has settled down and uh, she knows it's therapeutic for me and it's exercise and it's not an all the time, everyday thing. So yeah, she likes it. But there are, there was times, I shouldn't say she likes it, she tolerates it. What do you do when you're not playing disc golf? Uh, Tavern 32 in Bronxville, New York. How long have you been doing that? Just over a year. And... How? What were you doing before that? Uh, so I had always worked kind of in the business at a younger age, whether it just be delis or snack bars or greasy spoons. And then uh, I got into video production and music production and kind of landed a job in tech world for what turned into 12 years. And then the opportunity came up to be kind of, you know, you know the... I don't want to call myself a chef, but the head chef at this place and create the menu and kind of call my own shots and do what I want and have creative freedom. And I couldn't pass it up. So the opportunity was right. Kind of the time was right. I'm, I'm doing it. As it seems, just as is my opinion, since you've switched, you seem happier, but you play less. I do like what I'm doing now. Uh, it's rewarding, I guess. Not playing as much makes when I do get to play special, but mm -hmm. I, I try to enjoy it more because it's far between. Okay, hole 15, 327. What are you thinking here? I am going to throw my rock through. Are there times where you want to turn it on and sometimes and times you want to play casual? It's part of the reason I don't like the tournament is because I, don't know, I just don't 
I don't know if I, if I try too hard or I, I just never play well. Even if somebody's like, hey, let's put $5 on this round. Or mm-hmm. for some reason, I just play better when it's a fun, like a, a tag round or dubs. Or uh, If you're having trouble in your personal life or you fight with your lady or trouble at work, bills are on your mind, you're not going to have a good round. You need to, I feel, be just relaxed, focused on the game for however long it is, two hours, three hours. You ever come into a round saying, you know what? I want to play well this round. Last couple rounds I played, I, I, I had fun. I was a little round lazy. I, I want to play well. Uh-huh. And I go into it saying I'm going to play well. And then I play my usual game. But if I can learn one thing in a round, if I start having a terrible round, I kind of let go of it being a good round and it just becomes a practice round and it's fun. You can't let go of it being a fun thing or the point of doing it. So if I can walk away, if I make a 60-foot putt, or if I just have an upshot that was exact, it was super technical, and I visualized it, and then I executed it precisely how I wanted to, I'll take that one thing away from that round and learn from it mm-hmm. and apply it to the next shot that looks similar to that line, you know? That's essentially, that's kind of my feeling, too. If I if you learn one thing on the round, yeah. it, it was worth it. And you had fun, too, you know? So, but, I mean, sure, it cost you $45 to play the tournament, and you went into it wanting to play well and winning the tournament. But if you're, you know, if you go bogey, if you just, it's not your day, you got a good player pack and just have fun. There's people that take it super seriously and sometimes you got to step back and, and, and realize we're grown men yeah, throwing I can, frisbees in the woods. I can, res- fun. I can respect somebody who wants to follow the rules. What I can't respect is somebody who takes away the fun of the sport. Yeah, if you're, if you're there's, just there's a if you're super aggressive and mm-hmm. super competitive, even in just a friendly, and you're kicking your bag or you're huffing and puffing and you're bitching and moaning, like you're bringing it down for everyone. It's not your day. You can't be on every day. Uh, but take something away from that round. Whether it's uh, everything sucked, but I had a good time. Then take mm-hmm. that. I had a good time. But I, I don't see. Uh, I get the competitive aspect of it, you know. Mm-hmm. But uh, at the core, it's supposed to be fun. So that's my mental. Try to have fun, and if it's a good round, then it's more fun. So whole sixteen down the glade. Rosie's getting ready to go. Rosie's ready. Uh, 248, but danger behind it. Danger. So this is almost, you want to park, that my feeling, you want to park it for a birdie as opposed to the ace run, because the ace run can put you in danger. What are your thoughts there? Uh, I always go for the park, and if you just happen to get that floaty ace run, but I'm never charging it in over-aggressive disc. I'm throwing an AVR at it, and like you said, hoping to float up to it and skip up next to it or land but, you know, sometimes a floaty ace will come. Playing one round, it's a three-disc challenge. What three discs are you bringing? I am bringing an AVR X3 or a Zone as my putter because it doubles as a bit of a mid-range overstable disc also. I'm bringing a Rock or a Rock X3, and I'm bringing either a Firebird or a Thunderbird. Probably the Thunderbird because it's a bit more versatile. I'm going AVR X3, Rock X3, Thunderbird. Sounds good. All right, hole 17, you 232. I think we measured it around 265. And um, through the Osage, what are we throwing here? I throw my most overstable destroyer pretty straight, not 100%, and then try to play the skip up to the best. <laughs> I might go Champ AVR, Gator, Thunderbird, or Destroyer. That's a tough question. All right, hole 18, original hole one. Got any stories about this one? So I don't know if it's the only time that Beacon has had an ace race 
as far to my knowledge, it was before I started playing. I think it was the summer before I started playing. But I, so I obviously didn't attend. But that's the only one I've heard of. And whatever year it was, it was the year it was a good disc. It was very similar to a T-Bird. I think it became the Mantis. You get two discs for the Ace Race. And I come here to warm up a little bit and just throw them and see what they do. My first throw, first shot goes in the pool. So now I do the ace race with one disc, which was a pain in the ass. But I thought that was just... It's funny because when this used to be hole one, we would hang out here. Probably once a week, a disc... Somebody said that they lost a disc in the in the pool. And since it's become hole 18 and we don't hang out here as much, I haven't heard of any going in there. Because I think a lot of us have gotten better and don't throw our high-speed drivers at it anymore. I think that's step one. Yeah, because we were, we were hanging out. And we were just hanging out. Just practicing. Yeah, you're just throwing it. shots that you might not normally throw here. All right, so it's the chicken wing hole... The pool hole, 232, a little bit downhill, uh, raised basket, OB left with the pool and the rock wall. What are we going with here, Carter? I would normally throw that champ AVR, but there's a bit of a, a win, so I think I'm going to go with a Mako 3. Mako 3. Like, I would like to get good at putting as the last step of, of my evolution. Like, I feel like it's the last step of the hole, so being able to bang 60-footers is dope, but, like, I don't know. I'm not concerned with banging 60-footers. I'm concerning. I'm concerned with banging every one of my 20-footers. Yeah, I used to do that. Now I'm not doing it. Okay, uh, hole 19, 233, old hole 2. This one, uh, there's a story here. You got any disc stories for hole 19? I had a, I guess you would call it a Macbeth one-time 2012 super flat, super stiff champ rock x or just rock three and uh i loved it i miss it and i threw it and i had a stupid little kick to the left which i've had a thousand times here and it's gone forever and when was this i think three years ago, i think right? so yeah and what question do you inevitably ask me whenever you arrive at beacon I'm a rock three. <laughs> because there was probably five or six of us on the, when we played that round and i'd say we legitimately looked for it for like probably 20 minutes half an hour i could tell your desire to, to find it and, and then i came back several times recently after it mm -hmm. and search for a few 15 20 minutes yeah and uh, so i believe we will be reunited well i can tell you this under a log and it got covered with some leaves and it's she's gone for a little while but she's coming back i would i would say for about a month after that i wouldn't i'm not saying i went over there and i dug i one time i think i went over there for about 10 minutes but every time i played around i would you know try to make a, a just a diversion and just walk it you know people will pop on yeah because it was in the fall i believe it was near a blaze or just after a blaze so because i think it was in the fall and there were um, there leaves. leaves, yeah. yeah. Pinned under a log. Can't tell you how many Some times I picked up that mattress. Up and I'm just thinking how much, how many eyes, and the extent that we searched for it, and we did not find it. It's still out there, mm. and it is my all-time favorite disc that I've owned. It just flew so good. All right, what are we throwing here? Same make of three. Same. You decided to grow a mustache. Yeah. Kind of copycatting. I decided, you know, to do the same. And you still have it. Then, I think what had happened was, and I just want to clear something up, yeah. was my mustache game so strong that it caused you to shave yours? Um... I, I want to say no, but I'd be lying. <laughs> your, mustache, your mustache game. It's just, a, it's just a thing of glory. Finishing our game is strong. Hole 20. 21. Up new, new addition to the course. I think uh, Chris Del Bianco did the most work on it. I measured it out at 195, but it is progressively uphill. Deep, you get into a uh, hazard situation, so you play your putt from where it lands, but with a stroke penalty. So it's to discourage high-speed drivers being thrown at it. So this here, where are you going? Uh, rock three. Wonderful round. Oh, yes. Enjoyable round. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you. <laughs> we just shook hands. <laughs> 
Thanks for taking the time, Quap. I hope we do it again soon. Now for a rundown of some local events coming up in the area. Next weekend, June 1st and 2nd, Jason Lasasso will be running the 2009 Minekill Disc Golf Championship, a two-day, four-round, awesome tournament that gets better each year. There's likely a wait list at this point, but it is definitely worth checking out. Following weekend, June 8th, Angelo Macia and Adam Gutman will be running a fair-weather tournament at Kisco. That's right, a fair-weather tournament at Kisco. I hope to be speaking to both of these guys for next week's episode, but the registration's open, so uh, get on it if you haven't. On the weekend of June 28th, Beacon will be hosting Glade Stock. We'll have a tag round on Friday around 5, and then a glow round after that. The Maiden of Glades tournament will be on Saturday, and of course, dubs on Sunday. Come for all three days, or pick and choose which day or days you can come by. It will be a Woodstock theme with a cash prize for best dressed during the tournament. Finally, it's not until July, but Kevin Murray is hosting a double T-pad doubles at Heckshire in Long Island called Red, White, and Throw. I believe this is the first of this type of event out there, so show him some support. Like I said before, registration is open for all of these tournaments, and for more information, check each club's facebook page finally today i want to say thank you to all the volunteers at beacon who redid the whole one t-pad it looks awesome i wasn't there and while i've seen pictures i don't want to leave anybody out so i just want to say a general thank you to the entire beacon crew i'll talk to you all next week sweet up hudson valley i just had a hot dog mm-hmm. and when i had it i decided to cut a little bit of banana and put it underneath the hot dog what the fuck yeah that's what they all said and i was ready for that but i went back to them and i said i will be having another one of them it was it was a slim thin slice but it was really huh better than you can Manish, imagine huh? it's like peanut butter and salami or pepperoni you talk about i think that's where i got pepperoni? it from you have no idea you're right because i, I never do that. that's where it came from